And you can have a seat. Hope you're continuing to read in our 50 Days with Jesus journey together through the Gospel of John. We're maybe hearing these stories for the first time, of some, or some of you are re-hearing them and allowing them to speak to you about who Jesus is. But not only that, what Jesus says about who God is and how we can have a relationship with Him. That's the whole idea, and we're leading up to the season of Easter and Easter Sunday on April the 9th as we really think about the resurrection on that day, but all these stories between now and then. And really, we've talked about some of the major themes that show up in the Gospel of John, and today we're going to talk about another one of those really important themes that show up many times in the Gospel but speak to us about who Jesus is. We'll get to that in a minute. You know... Most of us in our family have some sayings that maybe they wouldn't mean a lot to other people, but we say them all the time and may even forget how it all started. But one of the things that Leanne and I will say is if we have a big lunch, right? If we go out to eat or we cook something big for lunch, one of the things one of us will inevitably say is we won't need to cook any supper. Now, the truth is that at least one of us, doesn't matter how much lunch we eat, is going to want supper, and it's not Leanne, okay? So she knows if she says that, that's really just not true. And it all comes from going out with seniors groups in a church years ago and would go do some activity in the morning, but really what they wanted to do was go out to eat together, so we'd go to lunch, and inevitably one of them would come out and say, we won't have to cook supper. And you know what? That's just not true in my life. We always need to cook supper. Now, there's a little bit of truth in that for all of us because regardless of how big the last meal we ate was, we're going to get hungry again, right? It may not be this time, this evening's supper. You might be able to wait till tomorrow, but we're going to get hungry again. That's just the way our bodies work. And in fact, it's true for virtually all our desires, right? We eat a meal. We want to eat again later. We, we buy something, maybe buy some clothes, and the truth is, later on we're going to want something else, something better, because that's the way we work. Whatever it is, we drink something, we want something more later. All our desires are only temporarily filled, regardless of what we give our bodies, okay? Now, Jesus is going to take that and make a point with it. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But, but I think really this all points to something even bigger that Jesus is going to cover, that that all of life, this life that we live, virtually everything in this life is temporary, right? I mean, we know that even our physical bodies, and they don't last forever. Our physical bodies are going to die. This life is temporary. The most important relationships in our lives, even those are temporary, because even if they last the span of our lives, Either I'm going to die or the other person is going to die. That's just the way it works. The, the hugely important institutions in our culture, I mean, they seem like they'll last forever, but if you look back in history, there have been many times when people thought something was going to last forever, and now we only find it in ruins. The most important institutions, all temporary. Almost everything in this life is completely temporary. It is impermanent. And that can be sometimes overwhelming, sometimes disconcerting. If we dwell on it enough, it can be downright depressing. So what do we do with that thought that so much of life is impermanent? It is temporary. Well, Jesus dealt with that in a passage that we find in John chapter 6. Now, if you're reading along, you're read through John chapter 6 this week, so you may be familiar with this. And you might have even had to read this passage 
maybe a couple times because the meaning is not exactly clear the first time through. So hopefully I can make some sense out of it. It can help us out. Now, John chapter 6 opens with Jesus. He's got 5,000 people who are listening to him teach and it, it's dinner time and nobody has thought to pack a lunch except one little guy who has five loaves of bread and two fish. And that is not enough to feed 5,000 people. But somehow, miraculously, Jesus uses that little bit of food to feed all those people. Okay, we've got that story. And then we got Jesus heading across the Sea of Galilee. And he's doing it by walking on water, which is pretty crazy. And his disciples are shocked at this. And suddenly they're on the other side of the lake. And and then some of this crowd that Jesus fed shows up at his doorstep, sort of surprised he got there before them, but if you can walk on water, that helps. And they ask about that, and then Jesus replies. And it's not exactly, it's not exactly a warm reception for these people who have come to hear Jesus. Verse 26 of John chapter 6, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now what Jesus is saying is, I performed several signs. Remember in the Gospel of John, we've talked about this a little bit, there are seven signs or miracles that Jesus performs. John calls them signs because signs point to something else. And Jesus' miracles pointed to who he was and who God is. Okay, So Jesus has been doing that and he's saying, you're not getting it. In other words, You've seen these signs, but you're not coming to me because you figured out that I'm God's son. All right. You haven't figured that out yet. All you really want is to get fed. You want to fill your bellies. Now, we have to remember, we're talking about a world that in some ways was very different from ours, in that most people in that day, they did not have an overabundance of food. They had enough food for today, and you got enough food tomorrow for tomorrow. So, most of us, we know what we're going to have for lunch. There's something in the house that we're going to be able to eat or we're going to go out. There's food in the house probably for supper. We could probably survive for several days with the food. It may not be perfect meals, but we could survive for several days with the food in the house right now. That's not the way they lived. So if there's somebody who comes along who can provide food for next to nothing, everybody's interested. Okay, because that's a basic human need that was more difficult to fulfill then than now. So it may be that some of them have shown up because they think Jesus can feed people anytime he wants because of the miracles he can perform. Okay, so Jesus says that first, and then he continues in verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, like what I gave you earlier, okay, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, my guess is when Jesus said that, the people who heard him were like, I'm really not sure what he's talking about, right? I mean, I get the whole don't work for food that spoils because any food we got, we're either going to eat it or it's going to go bad. I mean, one of the two is going to happen, and either way, it's gone. We can't use it anymore. And so Jesus is saying, hey, work for something more, but, but what is the more? Food that goes to eternal life. What, is that, what does that exactly mean? What is Jesus talking about there? Because my guess is they were struggling to understand that. But he says this is from God. And God has put his seal of approval on me. Jesus says that about himself. 
Okay, so God has chosen him to deliver this message of food that endures to eternal life. Now, remember, Jesus has said, do not work for food that spoils. Okay, now all of us work, and part of the reason we work is to provide for our families. Perfectly good thing. We want to have clothes on our backs. We want food to eat. We want to live indoors. Jesus says, don't work for that food. Work for the food that gives eternal life. And they're thinking, okay, I'd rather work for food that's going to last forever than for food that's going to go bad next week. So Jesus, what kind of work do we need to do to get that food? This is what Jesus says. Verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And what Jesus is really saying is, it's not work at all, right? I mean, work would imply, if I, if, I work, if I go to work for someone, I say, I'm going to work this number of hours, and I'm going to expect this pay, right? You've promised to pay me this much money for this work. And so I've earned it. I've got some control over this. I did the work, so I deserve the pay. Jesus is saying, here's the work. You need to believe. Well, that's not, that's not really work, is it? Jesus is saying you need to believe, and, and we've talked about in John that, that belief and faith, same word, the closely linked, and, and what John wants us to believe about Jesus is that he is the Messiah, the one God planned for for centuries, the Son of God, God's only Son. So you've got to believe that, but it's more than that. It's also trusting this person, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, with our lives and with eternity. And we'll come back to that. So he says it's not work. It's not like you're in control of this. It's not like you can earn it. It's not like you can demand it. It is only received as a gift. And the way you receive that gift is to believe, to trust, to put your faith in me. Okay, then they sort of have some questions for Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if we're going to believe in you, then what we need, are, we need some signs. In fact, you look back in our history, way back, hundreds of years ago, when, when God called us out of slavery and Moses led us out of Egypt, we didn't have any food. We're out in the wilderness. There is nothing to eat. And so Moses supplied for us manna, which was like it was food, it was bread on the ground every morning. That was a sign that God was at work. And we could believe that. So we need a sign from you. Jesus says, Verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven. Okay, this was God at work. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So Jesus is saying sort of like the manna, that bread that showed up from God every day back in the old days. He's giving you bread from heaven. Again, it's a little confusing. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now this is more than loaf bread, okay? This is more than what can be cooked in an oven. Jesus is saying this is, this is bread that gives life. Not just that sustains life for a few hours, but that gives life. And they're hearing Jesus say this. My guest is still trying to navigate exactly what he's saying, but he's saying something important, something about real life that we don't have right now, something that we could have that he's offering, and they say, okay, Jesus, whatever this bread is you're talking about, give it to us, and give it to us all the time, because apparently we need it. 
And then the key verse in all this, verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am, and then we fill in the blank. And this is the very first of those. So seven signs Jesus performs. Remember, the seven is the number of completion. Seven signs starts with the wedding at Cana, water turned to wine, continues on. Seven times Jesus says, I am thee, and here's the very first one, bread of life. I'm the bread that gives life. It's not like just bread you eat. This is more than that. And he explains that a little bit. Verse 35 again, whoever comes to me will never grow hung, go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I think they're beginning to see Jesus as saying something more. It's not just that he's going to provide food for them. It's not just that with a little bit of food he can feed a bunch of people, but that he's satisfying the deeper desires of life, not just Hunger. I am the bread of life. I'm the one who gives life, not just sustains life for a few hours. Probably still trying to figure out exactly what he's talking about, right? Because this is not super clear. Verse 35, or verse, uh, down to verse 37, Jesus explains this a little bit more. So let's hear what he has to say, and then we'll sort through it. So beginning in verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. So he's expecting people to come to him, and I think both those people there and in the future, including us. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So he's doing God's will. What's God's will? Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So Jesus, as the bread of life, is offering new life. Jesus, as the bread of life, is offering eternal life. And it's not bread that we eat. It's taking in who Jesus is. It's allowing Him to speak into our lives about what really matters. And and eternal life is, again, one of those themes that runs all the way through the Gospel of John. And for John, when we put our faith in Jesus, which is what we talked about a minute ago, that's the work to do, even though it's not really work. When we do that, eternal life begins at that point. Yes, we're going to die, but we will not cease to exist. And Jesus is saying that's the bread of life. That's what points forward to eternity. So when we put our faith in Jesus, we are taking the bread of life and He is establishing a life that will not end. And it's His mission when we come to Him to at the end raise us up. It's about resurrection. It's about eternity with God. So this bread of life is ultimately about eternal life spending eternity with God. And so that's really the point of all this, I think. This is what I want us to learn from this. Jesus is God's way of offering eternal life. Now, over and over, what we're seeing in the series is Jesus is God's way of communicating something about God. We talked about the, Jesus is the way that we receive God's love. Well, here again, we have it. Jesus is the way that God offers us eternal life. There's no other way. There's no work to be done. 
There's no way to earn that. We only receive it by putting our faith in Jesus. Now, here's where we need to look back at Roman culture. Because in many ways, the culture that surrounded Jesus, the the culture of the empire, the culture that they, they sort of lived in and that the church would spread into, was a culture of consumption. It was a culture of, let's do whatever it takes for me to feel pleasure, for me to be satisfied. Let's accumulate as much stuff as we can because that stuff is going to make me happy. Now, all this sounds a lot like our culture, doesn't it? We are a culture of consumption as well. We are a culture of pleasure. We are a culture of gathering things. And we fill our lives with all this stuff. We fill our closets and our basements, our attics, our garages with all this stuff that we think is going to make us happy. But in the end, well, we all know what's going to happen. When we're gone, it's going to be in an estate sale or a yard sale or in the landfill. It is all temporary, just like the bread we eat. And Jesus is saying, there's something more. There's something more than just consuming goods and services. There's something more than filling our lives with just accumulating the things that we like so we can set them around us or having the food that we want to eat. Yes, we need food to eat. We can't survive without it. We need clothes on our back. We want to live indoors. All those things are necessary for life. Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about trying to make life meaningful by consuming things that give us pleasure. And what he's saying is, there is more. Eternal life is not based on that. Eternal life is on pursuing something beyond that, the bread of life. Eternal life is about pursuing Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is offering us a life that is better than what the world offers. And while it may seem like if we had more stuff, better stuff, newer stuff, older stuff, whatever it is, the stuff we like, then we'd be happy. Jesus is saying, that's just not the way it works. Satisfying all our desires will always be temporary, but he's offering us a relationship with God, true meaning in life that is different from what the world offers us. So we have this choice to make. Am I going to pursue the bread of the world, all the stuff the world has to offer that I think is going to make me happy, or am I going to pursue something more meaningful? Am I going to pursue a relationship with the God who created me through His Son Jesus that, that offers me eternal life? Real life now, meaningful, purposeful life here in the present and eternal life with our Creator. So we have that choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to keep pursuing what our culture says is really going to make us happy, but we know deep down leaves us empty? Or am I going to pursue what really matters? John tells us the beginning of that pursuit is faith. It's believing Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and putting our trust in Him. And it continues as we repent of our sins because we're saying, hey, I'm not going to live my life in pursuit of everything the world has to offer, but what God has to offer. It's confessing Jesus as Lord and then being baptized into Him. And maybe you've been contemplating that, and if you have, 
talk to one of us on staff, talk to one of our elders. We would love to walk with you down that path and see you baptized into Jesus to make that decision because that's where this whole process of living eternally begins. And we want to invite you just as Jesus did into that relationship. But what does it mean for you? Maybe it means making that decision. Maybe it means looking in our lives and saying, what, what am I pursuing? Who am I pursuing? Is it all the stuff? Or is it God? Is it Jesus? Because it's in Jesus that God is offering us eternal life. Let's pray together. God, help us to pursue the, the bread that really does give life. Not what satisfies us for a few hours, but satisfies us throughout this life and for eternity. Something that really lasts. And God, we're going to trust you to provide what we need and all that. And we're going to trust you to provide forgiveness and eternal life so that we can spend it with you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.